Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jake Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hi. (laughs) At least fake it at the start. (laughs) Hello, Sophie. (laughs) How are you? Look. Well, let's be honest, stop. Okay, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just did, and I always do. Any loyal listener... We'll know exactly how you are this week. You gave us all the warning signs last week. Yeah, and if anyone who was loyal enough, if they could have just told me those prompts and helped me out, that would have been fucking great. No, look, as I've mentioned, as I've previously spoken before, I find it really hard to talk about how I'm feeling when I'm currently in what I'm in and I'm going to explain it. I'm having like a depressive anxious episode and it's look it's really quite upsetting and I feel and I know I shouldn't be like this but I feel really disappointed and upset because I've done so much so much work on myself and to feel (laughs) to feel like all that's gone which I know it hasn't but I just feel like I'm I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm just so tired of going down this rabbit hole. Like it's just constantly like I do all this work and I feel great and then like life stresses and I lose focus of self-care and I don't know what happens and I just go into this spiral and then feel horrendous for God knows how long. But to make it clear, I like right now I can't. I can't think straight. I can't, I don't know, (laughs) I don't even know how to, like, answer anyone's questions. (laughs) It's debilitating. Yeah. And, um. (sighs) But you know all the self-work was still so worth it. Like, you're going to get back to how good you were before. You've you've got through it before. You're going to get through it again. But. I don't doubt that it just feels like utter shit. It's just, it's exhausting and especially when you're on medication and like I'm not one to be like, oh, I'm going to give up. But like when you do so much hard work, you feel, you do, you just feel so fucking disappointed in yourself that that you've ended up back here and I know that I'll get out of it and I'll get through the other side but. It's wild and this is why I don't talk about it because it's it it You hurts. talk about it but not while you're in it. I never talk about yeah, I talk about it once I'm like out the other side, which I have more clarity and I have more, you know, um understanding of the reasons why. But yeah. Anyway, um I'm sorry to be a dampener. Um No, you don't have to be sorry. Oh, I also I'm sorry you're feeling like <laughs> this. But But on kind of on a positive note, 
my mum accidentally dropped my phone in the ocean <laughs> when we were on our holiday in Easter. Um, because you were getting attacked by a giant <laughs> lizard and she ran backwards and fell in the water. Yeah, there was a goanna coming at me and I screamed. And I then- love that she ran the other way. She didn't try and help no, me. No, no, she no. She tried to run further away from the situation. 100%. She literally just did a black backflip and fell in and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry I've dropped your phone in the ocean. You know what, though? It's it's almost like the universe is saying, Jade, you need, you need to a fucking break yeah. and you need to just have time to reset. So I am taking this time to just have a little bit of a break and get back on track. So, yeah, how are you? Yeah. We always say and know that when one of us is down, the other one is up. Yeah, can it and just be you? Because you're quite down, I'm yeah. quite up. Yeah, <laughs> if it could be the other way because I feel it like you're down, down, down often. aren't ever down, It happened down. that one time and I'm like, yeah. I Well, like whenever you go through this stage, I remember back to how I felt and mine was like, you know, only over a few days and it's just so debilitating. So I'm just so sorry that you're feeling like this because I know that you've put in so much hard work. I mean, the hard work isn't going to stop the fact that, you know, you have depression and anxiety Mm. and I guess you've just got to think just remember how good you were feeling and and you're going to feel like that again because, like, your baseline is so much better because you've done all this hard work and this is a temporary, you know, And the funny thing is, like, if you can remember to think positive and you can remember to be grateful and, like, retrain your mind into a positive state, that actually gets you out of what I'm in. And (laughs) like, I know all the tools that I have to do. It's just retraining my brain yet again. Yeah. But it's easier said than done. Like you're struggling to finish a sentence, let alone when you're feeling like shit going, okay, but what things am I grateful for? Yeah, I know. But I feel like I can find those and then I fall into a pit and then it just goes round and round in circles. But I've got a really good book that I have mentioned to before. I have a good book. Wow. (laughs) I'm really that bad. I have a good book that I refer back to when I struggle with moments like these. So what's that called for people who are new? Well, the one that if you've got no idea what anxiety is and you just feel so out of control and horrendous, it's called Living With It by Bev Asbett. And this one is called something about 30 days of ridding anxiety. She also has one about depression, but I, it's like a literal day by day act of focusing and like from scratch, like it's so simple yet it's so effective. And you can read the whole book in one day if you want. Why are you laughing? Because I'm thinking about the Rudolph Fabulous that I'm about to say and I hope (laughs) it makes you feel better. I really hope it does. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Oh, and hang on. So, because last week everyone would have heard that Harry hurt his leg. He's currently now at hospital getting a scan. So watch this He was space. fine. He was fine. He went, he went to, to Blue's, Blue's Fest for Fest. a solid 36 hours. <laughs> he came home at 4.20 in the morning and then our alarm was set to go to Sydney at 5 a.m. But he pushed through. So well done, Harry. I can assure you at 4.20 he couldn't feel his leg, but no. I'm sure by about 8 a.m. he could feel his leg and his, his head, head and he did. the pit of his stomach. He did, but he ate his way through Easter like most <laughs> of us did. So yeah, that was good. All right. Tell us your real fabulous. Okay. 
It's been asked to be said anonymously. So our one-year-old is a contact napper, hates sleeping alone, can smell when you leave the room. So for his entire year of life, he has done his day sleeps on me, my husband, his grandparents, whoever he is with. As a mum, you're always busy, running around. So nap time is essentially my downtime too, and the only time I really stop and sit. I went through a really bad couple of months where every time he would finally fall asleep on me, I'd have this urge to poo. Transferring is just always 50-50 with this boy, but I really needed to go. I managed a successful transfer, but onto mine and my husband's bed as we had napped in our room and our bed is super high off the floor. Having him already fallen off the bed, I was very reluctant to have him out of my eyesight to go to the bathroom to poo as normal. So I ran into the laundry, got a bucket, came back to our bedroom and pooped where I could still see him. Baby wipes in reach. Once I was done, I ran and dropped the bucket off in the bathroom to deal with once he woke. He remained asleep this whole time. Room definitely needed an airing out, but success for both. The bus. Oh my heck. Can, can I just say? You're like flabbergasted. But why can't it would have been easier to take the baby with you to the toilet and wipe your ass with another hand? Yeah, but the baby is one, not a newborn. Like that's a big child to have sleeping on you while you take a shit. I would have just barricaded the child and hoped that they didn't fall off. And you know what the thing that got me is that it's not actually the pooing in the bucket. It's the fact that if that was me and I dropped just the bucket back into the bathroom, I would have forgotten to then clean it up. So, like, Nick would have got home or something and walked into the bathroom and there would have been my (laughs) shit in a bucket. That's the thing that got me. I was like, it's one thing to poo in a bucket. I'm sure most people are more outraged by the pooing in the bucket. But mine is the... Wow, so much self-trust to think I'm going to go back and clean that out Even Even the word bucket makes me feel sick. Mm. We were at the airport yesterday and it was so random. There was just shit in the middle of, like, the airport. What? It had to have been. Like a log. Well, it must have been a human shit. Like, what else could it have been? And when we were walking past, there was a lady that rolled over it with her pram (gasps) and she was like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know where this shit has come from. And we're all going, what? And Yumi's going, mummy, shit. And I'm like, okay, like, let's just get away from it. But then I was kind of thinking the only way that could have happened is if there was a toddler that didn't have underwear or a nappy on. Maybe it was like a guide dog or something. Well, that's true. But, like, who's not picking up the shit? Anyway, someone got one of those wet area um, Signs. signs and popped it next to the shit and that was it. So it was just gross. That is gross. And, I like, can I just say, we talk a lot about shit on the podcast. Like we talk We're about- pretty au fait with shit yeah, we- and you still found that gross. Yeah. Oh, look, the bucket next to the bed, because <laughs> I'm just thinking about a bucket next to my bed with like shit, is actually making me feel sick. So let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on to today's episode. Um, you'll be pleased to know that we recorded this a week or so ago yeah, when, I mean, Jade, when Jade could actually string a yes. sentence together. No, I'm making fun of it, but I love you and I'm sorry that you're feeling 
like Ballsack. But we had a chat with Jen. She is the founder of Mum Safe. She explains what that is in the conversation, but we chat all about this idea of snapping back, bouncing back, looking like you've never had children and all the other postpartum body issues. So um, I can't wait to listen because I've forgotten about the whole thing. (laughs) I actually have. Enjoy. Hello, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. Uh, Before we get started, can you tell our beautiful listeners a bit about yourself and what you do and why we're here? Absolutely. Um, So good to be here. As you said, my name's Jen. I run a company called MumSafe um, and my mission in the world is to help mums make sure that they have access to safe and effective exercise. And along with that comes conversations around obviously returning to exercise safely after having a baby, body image, real motherhood, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Hallelujah. And what got you into this? Was it personal experience or did you from the outside see a gap in the market? What led to this? Yeah. So I actually, my my business journey started when my son was three months old. So I actually launched a business or it was a blog. It started life as a blog tracking my journey after having a baby. So that was called Body Beyond Baby. And my first business was called Body Beyond Baby, which was group exercise with on-site childcare in Sydney Centennial Park. And then the ups and downs of motherhood and all that kind of thing and and has led me to where I am today, which, and then Mum Safe, I guess, is the evolution of me doing it alone. I'm bringing together lots of fitness professionals across Australia, New Zealand and Singapore to help as many mums as possible. And working in this area, I mean, I guess you would see it day in, day out. We're often told that with social media, you know, we're able to see more of the quote unquote real you know, postpartum bodies and and real mum life. Mm. How do you see the conversation? You know, you're in it all the time. Do you think that we're heading in a positive direction or do you think it's only getting worse? That's a tricky, it's a tricky question, isn't it? Because what I'm really aware of is I'm in the depths of this world of people that want to make it better. So the conversations that I'm faced with on my social media and the conversations that I'm having everything is moving in the right direction. So my feed is full of real mums having real conversations, real bodies, all that kind of thing. But what I know is the wider world is probably not as far along as we are. And I think in many ways, um, a lot of the trainers that we're working with are leading that conversation. So I guess to, to properly answer your question, I hope that we're leading in the right direction. I believe that we're going in the right direction. But I think when it comes to mass media, and general conversations, we're still, women are still feeling a lot of pressure in the postpartum period to, you know, get their body back or be doing the exercise that they were doing before they fell pregnant as quick as they possibly can. And I think it's important to be mindful when you are in the postpartum or pregnancy phase, you know, social media can be full of insecurities, editing, airbrushing. And when you've just given birth and you're sitting there feeling like, oh, how come I'm not looking like that? Or how come I'm not feeling like that? It's really because that isn't the norm. So the more Mm. we actually put out there like what you're doing and hopefully what we're doing in terms of making these truths more realistic and more out there in. Yeah. And I think with social media, there's a reason why there's the mute button there. No one knows if you mute them. Like someone might know if you block them or if you unfollow them. And look, not that it's about anyone else. It's about you. But I think in different stages of your life, 
you can you, uh, use that mute button liberally. Like I think that if, you know, if you're having issues with fertility, you mm. have every right to mute even a close friend maybe that's pregnant. That's fine. And then maybe if and when you do get pregnant, suddenly you will love that content. And much the same as maybe some Fitzbo page you followed before you had children, you know, you may may have got heaps out of that page, but in, you know, the direct postpartum period, it may do the opposite to you. And, and, and you know, and, and that's okay. You can come and go with following people as you wish, because you've got to, you've got to put yourself first. And the more that we share our real journeys and our real bodies, the more society will begin to accept that as the norm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think when you're both talking about muting or moving away from a conversation that's not serving us right now, it's having that ability to kind of stop and say, how's this making me feel? And then what are my actions moving forward? So, you know, a lot of women have suffered from things like over-exercising, under-eating in their teens, 20s, 30s, and it can really come to a head when you have a baby. So, you know, our self-worth is often wrapped up in the size of our body. And we have this huge opportunity when we have a baby to, you know, reflect on that, surround ourselves with the real, the actual real conversations, not the ones that are making us think that they're real and still being this inspirational kind of perfectness. And then change the way that we move forward. So I I honestly feel like if we can find that space and really understand that our self-worth is not wrapped up in the size of our body and we do get to move forward with different habits and different patterns, then having a baby could be that breaking point going, now not only am I now, I guess, responsible for me, but I have a small person that eventually is going to look at what I'm doing and follow what I'm doing as well. So yeah, I think there's a big opportunity to change our mindset and move forward in a different way. And why does society always compliment someone when they lose weight or when weight loss could be a reason behind mental stress, yeah. postnatal depression? We had so many people write in saying, I couldn't believe how many comments I got postpartum about how good I was looking in that first nine months. And she said, my child actually had a lot of intolerances mm. and was a really challenging baby. And she said, I actually had to cut out so many things from my diet. I wasn't sleeping. I've never been so stressed in my life. I felt like utter shit. Yet all these people were saying to her, wow, you look so amazing. You don't even look like you've had a child. Like, why do we let this happen? I think we've been so used to, well, one, we've been given this lens of smaller is better for so long. And we are used to complimenting people when they've lost weight. I found myself the other day, there there was a woman in the gym Um, She has lost weight, but she looks, she looks great for me on the outside. And I chose not to say anything Mm. in that moment because what I wanted to say was you look strong and you look lean. Are you okay? Like, do you feel good? Not are you okay, but do you feel good and go that deeper level than that? Just assuming that if someone's lost weight, then they must be on a good, I guess, a good road. And I can relate exactly to what the woman that wrote in said, because It was way after having my children, um, I suffered really, really bad anxiety and I was the leanest that I've ever been and in the most difficult part of my life that I've ever been in. And there was this weird part of me with the compliments going, well, I don't want to be here, but I look good. So how can I tread this kind of dichotomy of 
needing to get out of the anxious state that I'm in versus how can I stay in this state that people are giving me all of these compliments because yeah. I'm smaller. So you have to really work fucking hard to reprogram yeah. your head. And you're getting go- a compliment when you you internally aren't, like, like for example, if you're not exercising and you're not actually doing the work where you're mentally feeling healthy and someone says to you, you've lost weight, you look great, that is a nice compliment, but you're in there subconsciously going, oh, well, if that's all it takes for me to look good, it's like it's such a horrible, horrible thing to say. And I think that we really need to stop commenting on weight altogether. And I also think that we need to start saying, instead of you've lost weight, you look great, you look beautiful today. Leave it at that. Yeah. I know. And it's, it's this thing that like when I see people who are post, postpartum, it's like, you know, I've been in that stage twice. I've never been someone who has, you know, I've always been someone who society has seen is small. So I know also, you know, like I have weight privilege, but I still know, you know, the thoughts that go through your mind when you're in that postpartum period and you don't feel like yourself. And so I see people in the postpartum and I want to tell them like, oh, you look great. And it might not be to do with their weight, but it's just to like, you know, cause you know, the thoughts that go through your mind, but is it better just to not say anything at all? I think we just got to choose different words because we could reinforce it might not be the woman that has lost weight for for food intolerance or whatever it may be. She could be the woman that is back in the gym slamming herself so hard because she feels like if she is smaller, her relationship will be better or her husband will love her more or whatever it may be. So I think the language of you look really energized or, you know, I don't know, anything has to be better than you've lost weight you look good. The biggest thing for me that I see on social media that infuriates me, and I know it's just because it's just the way we've all been brought up, is when women have a baby and in the few weeks that they've given birth, they post a photo of them in their old pre-baby jeans and say, look, yay, I'm fitting back into these Mm. jeans. And I'm sorry if you were one of those people or you are one of those people, but I just want to make it so clear. When you post a photo like that, people like your sisters, mothers, daughters, they look at that photo and think, why can't I bounce back, snap back? What is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. This is not what we should be promoting, that you can go back to your old self. What we try and what we're trying to achieve is that you are a new person with an additional power, a mother, you're a mother now. And with that comes a new body, new strengths, And that is what we should be supporting and promoting. Yeah, we need to lose the words. We run a campaign called No More Pre-Baby Body and we want to get rid of that get my pre-baby body back language. And instead of saying get back to, and I catch myself a lot, is how do we move forward into what we are becoming or what we are? We do need to be super careful, though, of the people that are a little bit smaller and leaner naturally that we don't all of a sudden go, you're not okay because there's two sides to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually started saying to a lot of people I know who are pregnant or who are going to baby showers and they're like, you know, what should I take? And I'm like, you know, the baby gets enough. Like the parents spend so much money on that baby. You often don't 
you know, even hesitate buying a new outfit for a baby, you know, if they've grown out of it or, you know, it's a different season or whatever. But we hesitate so much in buying clothes for ourselves postpartum because we go, oh, well, you know, this is only a temporary stage. I'll wait till I'm back to how I was before. And I've said to so many of my friends, I'm like, look, I know jeans or whatever can be expensive, but like what's the worth to you mentally in having a pair of jeans that fit you? Who cares if they only, yeah, who cares if they only last a few months or who cares if you wear them forevermore? You know, like this may be the way your body is forever and that's fine. But I'm like, what is that worth to you? mentally rather than looking at these jeans that you can't fit in or Mm. or an entire wardrobe that you can't fit into and going, oh, well, I'll just get around in these clothes that make me feel like shit until I'm back into those clothes. It's like I said, the best baby shower gift I think you can get is to get the mum a gift voucher to somewhere and say- To her favourite shop. To her (laughs) favourite shop and say, I want you to spend this right away. I don't want to, obviously once you're well enough to get out of the house and, you know, you (laughs) And you're not going to bleed all over the new pair of white jeans or whatever. (laughs) Please don't get white jeans. (laughs) But like, you know, like don't save it for this. Like, and I Mm. also hate the like nine months in, nine months out thing that it's like, oh, you know, give yourself time. You grew the baby for nine months. It's going to take nine months to get back there. No, it's not. I'm sorry, but you're still not going to be the same at nine months postpartum, mentally, physically, spiritually, And if you are, though, you are the exception. Yeah. Because that's what we're trying to change is the fact that overall majority of women are not like that and if you are that's wonderful but we need more conversation about the fact that realistically we are wearing our husband's or partner's t-shirts still probably their jocks from when we were pregnant and we're doing the best we can and just to even think that you're sitting there on the couch breastfeeding probably got mastitis and you're looking through your feed and you're seeing all these bullshit looking postpartum bodies going look what I've done I've had time to exercise I've had time to go and do this you know what they probably haven't I think if there was less of that and more of reality. But I think as Jen said, like we can't necessarily, like there are, like, okay, I was one of those people that I lost weight while I was breastfeeding. Muted. And we, Muted. No, I'm kidding. No, and, and you know, we, <laughs> and, and it is a shame that, that that society does think that's the norm because then I think a lot of women then they are breastfeeding and they're like, what the hell? Everyone told me I can eat whatever I want and it'll just fall off. And I was one of those people and I lost, especially after my second child, I lost a lot of weight quite quickly after having her but it was nothing that I was doing it's not because I'm some better human being or I was handling postpartum better than someone else or I had the balance all right that I could you know eat well and exercise and this and it was just that's the way that it was and so I think as you said we need to stop putting this moral goodness on skinny because it was actually nothing that I was doing yeah and I think if if we one as a fitness industry we need to stop assuming that a woman walks into a gym or into a fitness environment to lose weight after she's had a baby. We, we as personal trainers have a responsibility to stop saying that. And also as, as women and as mums to go exercise or movement, it's like I, I've tried to lose the word fitness, move to the word exercise, but then is it just movement? So movement is so much more than body weight. Movement is being strong so you can you can carry your child and you can run around after them. Movement is good for my mental health. Movement is um, having, a an environment break. <laughs> having a break or in an environment with other women. Like there's so many women that are doing motherhood alone 
And for a lot of women, the last thing you need to do is go and sit in a cafe and, and drink a coffee. You actually need to be out moving your body in the sunshine, in nature, with like-minded women where you can build that tribe. So we need to, you know, exercise and movement is so much more than a vehicle to lose weight. What would you say to women that have always been affected by body image that are terrified of what their body will look like after birth? It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, it's so easy to just kind of not not discount people, but say, you know, you've got to find a way to move forward. I think the most important thing is making sure that she has the right support around her. So, you know, a fitness group or a or an exercise group and a personal trainer might be the last person that that woman actually needs, you know, a really good counselor or psychologist or someone that's qualified in that space of whether it's body image or disordered eating or whatever it may be. So I guess we promote a circle of support about around women and not all the time is a personal trainer, that right person. So yeah, seeking out someone that can really, really help and support her to, I guess, move forward with, more validation in herself that's not around her body. And that's a long journey. It's a long journey. And it's a funny little wheel, isn't it? Because when you exercise, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be strenuous. It could just be pushing the pram on a flat path. When you do that, your mental health feels better. And then when your mental health feels better, then you sort of want to eat better. And then when you eat better, you start feeling better. And it's this cycle that like- Yeah, it continues. But if you start on how do I lose weight and stress about that, I find that never eventuates to this positive cycle. But I think even in that cycle, and this is something I was thinking about this morning before I came here, is like so so after I had Goldie, so Goldie's now two years old, so I feel like I'm in this weird thing where I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I'm – postpartum postpartum because you know she's not a baby she's a toddler now but I also all of a sudden recently have been having insecurities in my body that I have not had since having children and my eldest is four and then Goldie's two and I think sometimes you get into this weird stage whereas I think when I was in that direct postpartum period and especially because I was one of those people that weight fell off me because I was breastfeeding which doesn't happen for everyone I think I was you know really like proud of my body and loved it and was like, look what it has achieved. And I didn't have to do a great deal. And it kind of just fell off, which isn't what happens for everyone. But I think it's almost been now that I'm two years down the track and I'm like, oh, I'm not postpartum and and, and, I, and I don't have a baby anymore and I'm sleeping well and I've got the time you know, to exercise and I've got time to think about what I'm eating rather than just like, you know, eating my kids crumbs off the floor at lunchtime. I almost feel like now I'm harder on myself than I was in that postpartum period because I think I almost tell myself now, like, I don't know, like, I don't feel like I'm postpartum anymore. So it's like, what's your excuse? But of course you're forever postpartum. But I don't know, like, I don't even know where I'm going with that. But I just, it's just, it's a funny stage where you're like, I'm still a mum, but I'm not postpartum. I think there's layers and layers. And I think maybe because it's interesting, we could go down this like whole, like, well, what does that mean to you? So I heard you say, I didn't experience this because the weight fell off. So on one level, there's like a validation that you didn't need because you were in this period that you've given yourself where the weight just fell off, where there was no judgment or if there was judgment, it was positive judgment. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, yeah. because that's where you were. 
And now it's almost, what is it for you? Like, so if we strip away any of society's thoughts and feelings and whatever, my question to you, if we were sitting one-on-one and not talking to the world, which I'll still ask anyway, is what, what does it mean to you to look after yourself without those layers of judgment of what other people think? Is it that you feel like you would like to be stronger or do you feel like on some level you're not taking care of yourself and you should be? And then there's a big question around that should because who says you should be doing anything and where does that should layer of self-judgment come from? So it's, yeah. But I think it's one of those things that it's so easy to say, you know, like we work out and we look after ourselves for our mental health. And of course that's true. I feel better mentally when I'm working out. But I think it's, it's also too simple to neglect that you do feel like, oh, I've been putting on all this effort. Sure, I feel mentally better, but like my body hasn't changed. And that's me not saying that that's right. I'm just saying I think there's a hell of a lot of people out there who publicly would say, oh, I'm working out for my mental health and then feel Hello. And then feel disappointed. Your co-host. What do you mean? Like, and then feel disappointed when maybe they aren't getting the physical changes they want. And I think I think that's why we want to scream it from the rooftops also that, you know, if you breastfeed, that doesn't equal weight falling off. What is what is the thing that we want to achieve? Like what and then for you, like, do you wanna is it do you wanna look more muscular? Do you wanna look more curvy? Do you wanna look is it that you wanna look smaller or leaner? So it's also But is it okay to have those wishes? Of course it is. Is. I think it's it, it has to be, and this again is that dichotomy of we can't all of a sudden just go, nobody is ever allowed to desire to lose weight. Nobody is ever allowed to desire to look a certain way or be proud of their, their external body. We have to just work out where that drive is coming from. So if you're working out for your mental health, you're not obsessing about food, you're not obsessing about the exercise you have or haven't done, punishing yourself when you have a glass of wine, all of those things that are that negative headspace, you know, saying, well, if I was smaller, my husband would love me more and I would get get the job or I would get something else. If that's where it's coming from, then there's big questions around our motivation to look a specific way. But if you are saying, you know what, I actually feel pretty good about myself. I think my body could do more. I want to experiment with looking more muscular or, you know, looking a different way in, in, in some swimmers, for example. And it's coming from a space of I'm doing this and accepting myself where I am anyway, of course you get to do that. It's your body. You get to do whatever the hell you want to do with it. We just have to internally be very honest with ourselves as to where that's coming from. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And a lot of people asked about breastfeeding and, you know, there's a stigma around when you breastfeed, you lose weight. And I had Yumi, which is my third child, and I was a very petite pregnant woman. And then when I started breastfeeding, I started putting all this weight on and it just kept going on and on and on. And then I had postnatal depression and that I amplified because it was my mm-hmm. mental health. And I started focusing on my mental health, which took years to really understand and cope with. And that also was a contributing factor to me not losing weight. But that wasn't my focus. My focus was my mental health. And in this time, I chose to accept my body for who it was. And yes, there were days that I would go, oh, Jade, you probably should tone down the wine or tone down the chocolate that you're eating at night. But overall, I had this, I call it a gunt, Everyone knows on social media who follows me, it's called a gunt. And I started owning this gunt that I had because I felt like this isn't going anywhere. And in this moment, 
I should be proud of what I have done with my three beautiful children and own this. And I don't mean like I'm having it out and walking around like Kim and Kath or Kath and Kim, <laughs> which I did do. I did I'm do. Like, who are Kim and Kath for when you say it, <laughs> Kath and Kim? <laughs> but I did do that and that was funny. But what I mean is that I worked with what I had and I started dressing and accommodating my new body and felt really fucking sexy. And, you know, my husband husband would compliment me. People would compliment me. Not that you want to be complimented, but you know what? I wasn't skinny and I wasn't having this flat chest or abs. I was just focusing on my mental health, dressing how I could with the body I had to feel bloody good. And it worked. And then the more I started focusing on my mental health, then the nourishing of meals and doing a few other things because the anxiety reduced. So I was able to open up and explore those opportunities. Once I started doing that, things started working. But for me, exercise, no matter if you walk, sometimes there were days that I couldn't get past like a few meters because of my anxiety. I would cry and I would walk back to the car and say, Jade, it's too much for you today. You need to go home. And that was my body saying, I can't actually allow you to exert any Mm. more energy because you are exhausted and depleted. You need to stop. And then there were days where I would run and I would run five kilometers. That's a lie. I'd run three kilometers <laughs> and I'm still impressed. <laughs> it, yeah, it was the best feeling that I could ever have. And there was one thing that this woman taught me and it was when you're feeling your lowest or your most anxious, what was the best feeling, like one of the best feelings that you have ever felt and been proud of yourself? And it was when I run, I get past a certain point and it feels like I could run forever and I feel so proud of who I am and what I'm doing. And she kind of put that mentality onto everything in life. When you are having a hard time or you're feeling a bit negative, you need to like focus on that feeling of how how good you feel about yourself and flip that negative side to a positive. And it takes a lot of work, but it, it really does help me get through some shitty times when I'm feeling a little bit down or whatever. But I like, look, I know people, some people don't exercise and I know I'm rambling on, but exercise, no matter what form you find, there are so many different opportunities out there and different styles that you can always chop and change. Like I've done F45, I've done running, I'm doing walking at the moment. And for my mental health, all these different exercises help in some months and some months they don't. But that's the the fun of it is that we can go out and find new activities and share with other people. Agreed. I think there's two things that I picked up from what you just said was um, the first one is you use the word acceptance, not love. And I think that's really important when we're talking about body image. It's not necessarily about body love. It's about body acceptance for a period of time. That's really important. And the other thing that I picked up on was giving yourself permission to move in the way that is right for you right now without laying that judgment on top of that. And I think that, yeah, it's just such important information for anyone that's listening. I love that about body acceptance rather than body love, because I feel like it's almost shoved down our throats nowadays that it's like, be proud of your body now, like love it, love it for all its imperfections. And it's like, it's really hard when we've spent 
you know, most of our life being told there's only one type of body that's loved and validated to then all of a sudden, especially in those really direct postpartum times, being told your body has been through the ringer, it looks nothing like how it's looked before, but you have to love it. You have to and, love it. And, but accepting it is so much easier. And then I feel like if you don't love it, then you're in another guilt because you're like, fuck, I'm meant to be really proud of my body. It's so like true. grown and birthed a human, but I don't love it. So now I'm going to feel shit about the fact that I don't love it too on top of not loving it. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, if we could find acceptance and things that we love about our body, like we might not love the whole thing, but we might love the fact that it did birth a baby or we might love, I don't know, anything could be could be in there. So, yeah. And what about C-sections? Because there's women that wrote in, they felt very insecure having a C-section scar and then not being able to exercise. What can we say to those women that are feeling quite vulnerable in, in those times? I think uh, there's still um, a bit of a stigma around C-section Like, and my wish for every woman that's had a C-section is that it's you birthed your child in the way yeah. that was right for you in that moment um, or maybe you chose that ahead of time and that's okay. So I think, you know, aside from the body image conversation, it's, you know, making sure that women don't feel like they failed at doing something because they didn't. And we just all do pregnancy, birth and parenthood or motherhood in a in a different way that's right for us. So, you know, the, the layer of judgment that comes on top of doing something that you think is not the thing you should have done is probably is one of the biggest things that we can get rid of. But I guess with the exercise, you know, there is exercise that you can do we don't advise that you exercise until eight to 12 weeks, but there's plenty of women that have a vaginal delivery that are not ready to exercise at six weeks postpartum. And I would encourage them not to, not to just go, I must now do it. So again, whether you've had a C-section or a vaginal delivery, move when it feels right for you, not on a time frame that somebody else has given you. And if there is a scar site that is feeling, whether it's tight or painful or any of those things, knowing that that's not it's common, but it's not a normal thing that you should live with for a long time. So if there's, you know, keloid scarring or whatever it may be, go and get, again, get the right support. So working with a women's health physio or someone that does some kind of massage release work on that scar site so that it can start to feel better so that when you are ready, you can move into the exercise that you want to do is really important. And I yeah. think that's the same with, you know, pelvic floor issues, you know, prolapses, that kind of thing. I think as as women for so long, we've been told that like, oh, I guess part of having a baby is just you sacrifice your body and your body will be broken and that's just a part of becoming a mother and we've almost moved past that and now we're at the point where, you know, we can laugh at stories of when we piss ourselves or whatever. And you and I are both guilty of doing that on the show. But, you know, every time we've spoken to women's health physios, they've said so many of these things can be managed or treated, but it's just almost been hammered into us that it's yes. like this is what is to it. be expected and accepted. And so I do urge anyone out there, if you feel like there's something that just doesn't feel right. It may not be. We don't have to be broken in order to have Absolutely. children. Yeah. I think you just, the, the word you said there was expected and accepted. So it should be, it can be expected. Yes. I think that's really important again, but the word accepted, absolutely not. So if, you, if, if there's anyone listening that's experiencing anything that they feel like they are accepting, then reaching out to a women's health physiotherapist or making sure that the, the fitness professional or exercise professional you're working with is not feeding that because, you know, I've never met an exercise professional that's not doing the best job that they can with the tools that they have right now. And, and every single 
you know, exercise professional gets into the job because they want to do good out in the world, but we're not all made the same. You know, if you came to me wanting to be a bodybuilder, I couldn't just fudge my way through and, and kind of go, it'll be okay, do this. Um, so women need to be able to seek out the right person for them at any time. So if you're, if the person you're working with or in the environment that you're working in is adding to that, oh, well, you've had a baby, don't worry about it. You know, you're doing double unders and you're wetting yourself. Well, that's normal. It's common, but it's not normal. So that is a bit of a warning sign to someone to go, well, maybe this isn't the right person to guide me at this time. They may be again in time but it might be a good time to seek out someone else. And how do we know what is a safe way to return to movement and exercise when. and when, <laughs> when and how? Yeah. When and how and who, yeah. It is, it is hard because at the moment in Australia or New Zealand, there's no um, standard, you know, we call it safe return to exercise guidelines. So you have your six-week checkup, you know, the majority of that appointment is about the baby, which is good, but we also need to make sure mum's okay. Um, you're not given a proper pelvic floor assessment in that appointment. You're yeah. not properly checked for abdominal separation. If you are checked for abdominal separation, you're definitely not checked for um, abdominal control, so depth as well as width. So I guess knowing that that six-week checkup is not enough is the first important thing for all mums to know. And then when they're moving into an exercise environment, if the only questions that you're asked is, have you had a baby in the last 12 months? Um, have you had your six-week checkup? And do you feel okay? They're the standard questions that are on a, a medical questionnaire. If they're the only questions that you're asked as a mum moving into an exercise environment, you can pretty much guarantee it's probably not the best or most optimal option for you at the moment. You want to work with someone that asks you what kind of delivery you had. If you had a vaginal delivery, how long were you pushing for? Did you have an episiotomy? Did you have tearing? Like, do you know if you have a prolapse? If you had a C-section, were you pushing before you had a C-section? Like mm. all of these things. Um, and then talking to you about your pelvic floor. So I guess that would be a way to know whether the exercise environment you're going into is a good one. And then in terms of just general knowledge, you know, seeking out the support of a women's health physiotherapist, um, or we actually have on our website, and I, I, I hope it's okay to say, we have a, yeah. a free five-part program called Safe Return to Exercise for New Mums, which is not a set, like you're not locked into a sales process. It is literally, it bridges the gap between their six-week checkup and moving forward into the exercise or movement of their choice. Amazing. And it goes into, you know, understanding your birth, birth experience, mental health, understanding your body, exercises you can do straight away. And then it does talk about how to find someone to work with if that's the road that you want to go down. But we have to bridge that gap. Absolutely. And a lot of women, I think, I mean, my husband has all these these hobbies. He's got so many hobbies. And I'm always stuck when someone says to me, you know, what's, what's a hobby of yours? And I'm like, like, I actually really enjoy going to the gym and that's a hobby of mine. My hobby. And, yeah. And, 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 <laughs> sure. and a lot of people find the workout they do is a hobby of theirs. And I feel like you're stripped so much of your identity when you become a mother. And if you're not able to return to that activity or movement straight away, but a lot of your identity is tied to that, how can we kind of work through that and maybe enjoy something else, whether that's temporary or permanent? Yeah, I think there's two ways to, to approach that. One is you could um, educate yourself as best you can, working alongside a women's health physiotherapist and work out what exercise is right in the environment that you want to be in. Two, you could ask the people in that environment if they've either got any pre or postnatal qualifications or if they would be interested in doing something because there are, you know, obviously qualifications that they can go out and get. Or you could go, okay, well, temporarily, I'm going to go find a group that 
maybe a different community than what I'm used to. Maybe it's a better community for me for the time being and spend either a period of time or you might even find yourself staying there in an environment that's a stepping stone to get back into that environment if you want to go into. Because, you know, if we came out of hospital after an ACL reconstruction, we would have a pathway of rehab, which included a physiotherapist, which included the physio talking to their fitness professional to guide them on what exercise they should be doing. So that's exactly the same as what a mum should be experiencing with the fitness professional that she's working with in collaboration with a women's health physio. So I think, you know, my, my goal is, yes, I want to empower fitness professionals to know, but even more so I want to empower mums to be able to take control of their own, you know, their own body and their, their, the environments that they know that they will be safe in so that they can keep themselves safe in any exercise environment. And environments are such a huge part because I joined a mums and bubs personal training class with a few other people that had babies a similar age is around three to four months. And that really reduced the pressure in stressing about anything. Like if a baby was crying, we all felt comfortable knowing that, you know, we're all doing the best we can. If you have to get up and breastfeed half the time that you're there, well, next week you might have a, a better chance at doing more exercise but we got more friends out of that. There was not any judgment. Like if I had have gone to a gym and then just taken my baby, I would not have been able to be comfortable mentally or physically. So there were so many perks. It'd be like if you did your ACL and then went straight back to your local footy team or whatever, you're going to be like, why can't I keep up with those people? It's kind of the same if you have a baby and you go to just a normal fitness class. And I was going to say, I did a mums and bubs PT after having my first and we all had babies around the same age and still to this day they are some of my closest mum friends because I just feel like yeah we had so many laughs together we had so much like empathy and compassion for one another like none of us like if you said like squeeze a muscle in your body none of us had like any mind body (laughs) connection we were all there trying to get like that's what most of us were there for we were like we just feel so out of touch from our mind to our body from being pregnant over nine months we were like we just want to be able to go okay tense that and we like slightly know where that muscle in our body is but it's also it's also the social side like that's the biggest part like if if you can feel that gets you out of the house if you feel like your endorphins are lifted because you're surrounded by beautiful women and you guys have probably chatted most of the time through that exercise but you were there doing it like what that does to your mental health and what your baby feels after you've had a bit of you time kind of is enormous yeah and if you're in an environment with a trainer that knows yes they're going to create a safe space to have those conversations so even if the conversations are not about exercise they could be about mental health they could be could be about body image they could be about sex they could be about all of these different things um, and having that community in that safe space can be a a game changer when you're a mum. Absolutely. To finish us off, can we just finish with some, I guess, tips if there's any pregnant women out there listening who are kind of worried about this stage of life? I mean, I know I was because I felt, this is ridiculous, but when I was pregnant, I wore the skimpiest bathers that I've ever worn in my life. Because I felt like it was the first time I could walk along a beach and not feel like 
I needed to suck in and not feel like, like I, I, I do know that society often still only accepts one type of pregnant body and that's, you know, the pregnant body that you can't tell they're pregnant until they turn around and I think that's wrong. But I also think it's very wrong that it was the first time in my life that I was like, I don't need to suck in because there's a huge freaking fetus in the way. Um, (laughs) So any women that are out there feeling like that and worried about this next stage of life, do you have any tips for them? I think it's it's interesting that, you know, we're talking about body image, but the words that I heard was suck it in. And one of the real important things for pregnant women to understand is how they can potentially prevent some of the things that could occur in pregnancy and postpartum. So, you know, one of the things we talk about is abdominal separation. And if you're constantly sucking your stomach in, what you're doing is you're contracting your all of your abdominal muscles, especially your obliques, which are the ones that sit on the side. And they're putting pressure on the linear alba that may be more pressure than the growing baby is creating already. So, you know, if we can encourage pregnant women not to suck in and not to try and like to relax their abdominal wall, potentially we could prevent more severe abdominal separation. And again, with, I guess, pelvic floor, like if they can go and see a women's health physiotherapist in pregnancy, then some women have what we call a hypertonic pelvic floor, which means that they struggle to relax, which if they want to have a vaginal delivery, not being able to relax your pelvic floor is a pretty big problem. So if they go and see a women's health physiotherapist at around 20 weeks, 18, 20 weeks, 24 weeks, if you're 30 weeks and you've not been, it's not too late to know that you can not only contract your pelvic floor, but relax it. So when you come to have your baby, you are, you know, you're more easily, and I say that with nothing in pregnancy and birth is easy, (laughs) but potentially more easily able to push a baby out that could potentially lead to less, you know, pelvic floor trauma, which then could lead to better recovery and then better ability to move forward into the exercise that they want to do. Well, I'm going to say sooner, but when they feel ready. Yeah. So in pregnancy, I think prevention is better than a cure if we can. And any women that are in that postpartum stage, or like I said, maybe even two years, however many years down the track, you know, you've still been through all of this. My mum says she's still postpartum and I'm 36. (laughs) She is. No, I'm not. I'm not 36. You're not 36. I'm 34. I just put two years on my life. I'm 34. You went from early 30s to late 30s in the clicker of And, you know, who are struggling to not just not love their body but to they're not feeling like they accept it either. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's so big, but I think to kind of wrap it up and to give like throw maybe three like little, mm. little tips, one would be to get to know your body. So if your body's doing things that you don't understand or you're putting up with something that is a, either is annoying or it's a niggle, is to go and book that appointment with a women's health physiotherapist or, you know, with a fitness professional that knows how to work with them. Because if you understand your body more, regardless of the way that it looks, you become more empowered to move forward and you have a plan because at the moment you're just like, my body's not working. This is shit. I don't know what to do. And I'm out of control. So if we find, yeah, that, that pathway to, to move forward is really helpful. I think finding that community of like-minded women that support you in all shapes and sizes. Um, And I say women, but men as well, because the more that we bring men into the conversation of body image and all that kind of thing, the the further ahead we're going to move as a society in general. And I think the third thing is really reducing that self-judgment that we put on ourselves when we don't fit the thing that we've been told that we should fit. So if we can just get rid of all that, just, just get rid of it. It's super simple, you know. Just, <laughs> just throw it away. Is it wrong 
if we are dreading the comeback of the 90s low-waisted jeans. Oh, my God. Does that I'm mean that And thin eyebrows too. And thin eyebrows are not happening. But, like, does that mean we're not accepting it or are we allowed, is it able to actually give us full body goosebumps and for us to still accept our bodies? Surely there comes a point in our life where we don't have to actually follow the fashion trends. <laughs> well, but do you know what that is? Do you know what that is? That is your grandma, right? So we as younger girls look at our grandma and go, oh, she's not even doing the fashion. You know what? She's wearing high-waisted to get herself feeling confident and I'm going to be that person that is still wearing high-waisted because I feel freaking great in it and then we're going to have these little hipster tarts walking around and that's it. That's it. We are old, officially old. It's funny. We're always. I'm a couple of years older than you guys. Like I turned 40, 41 this year and it's only been the last couple of years that it's just like I – realize now that they they think I'm so much older than I feel yes. like I am <laughs> but I still think just fuck it wear what you want <laughs> like- I know and also what about when you get older the older you get the less you feel like 70 is old like that's quite yeah. young now to me yep. but like back in the day 40 was so fucking so old. old and now so it's old. so young I mean yeah, I know we're get, getting way off track realize it, you're not old at all yeah. <laughs> and I guess, I, I mean, I saw a video the other day and it was about like, you know, I mean, you can never take away insecurities altogether and like, you know, no shame in Imagine your you insecurities. Could. But, you know, like w- when we were 17, we probably had insecurities. And then like now we probably look back at ourselves when we we're 17 and we're like, oh, what I'd give to have that energy or, you know, um, that skin or whatever. And then, you know, we'll probably look back when we're, 50 at our pictures of when we were 25 and and be like oh you know what I'd give for this this and that and then you know you you get to 80 and you probably look back at you know when When you're you're 50 and you go what I'd give to have my knees that work like that and I don't know I just I don't think we should like wish life away because you know uh, because of hating our bodies or whatever. I I think the biggest takeaway from that is the sooner that we can learn that the phase that we're in right now is something that we will look back on and remember as a phase that we probably could have appreciated more than the better that that could be. So maybe we all need to try and learn those lessons now and go, I don't want to look back and go, I didn't enjoy that time. And I'll probably look back and go, fuck, you looked amazing when you were 25 or you looked amazing when you were 35 or 45 or whatever it is and try and, and catch ourselves now when we're beating ourselves up and go, I'm actually okay. I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say the best I feel like I've I've been a skinny little thing well, probably until my 20s and I would always cover up because I was teased for being skinny like having skinny legs. So it's been the opposite for me. I've never actually been like it's never been a compliment to be called skinny. Yeah. And I would wear like uh, stockings and socks over my legs at school because I just wanted to have thicker legs. So it's like everyone is always going through something different. You never different. know what's going on. Yeah. You don't. But the sexiest and best I have ever felt is right now at age almost 35 and I am bigger than I was. I am in a better headspace and I'm feeling so confident mentally and I'm just really proud of that. I'm really, really proud of that. And I think that whenever we have these moments in life where, you know, you you give birth and you question your body weight or you question, you know, anything, what is going on there is personal growth and that in itself 
is the biggest success of all. Yeah, and I think you just hit the nail. Like it, it becomes, I think the phrase, you're more than a body. So that confidence doesn't come from the size of your body. The confidence comes from you and the exactly like you said, personal growth that you've been through to get to where you are now. And you realize that your body is not you. It don't own whole. me. No, it And doesn't. I think, as you said, <laughs> you, you cannot love every aspect of it and still appreciate it and, and still know that they're, you know, it, it, fu- it functions incredibly or it, you know, there are features that are incredible. But I, I, yeah, I think that we almost need to turn away from self-love is not having to absolutely love every single part of your yeah. body. I don't love every part of my kids, but I love them. <laughs> I was going to say there's nothing would change about them, but, yeah, I didn't want to lie on air. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today, Jen, um, and speaking about something that is so important. We hope this helps anyone listening out there because we know it is a really a roller coaster time. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.